Welcome to another episode of Why Christ. I'm here again with Wyatt, and we are going to be discussing what it means to be a Christian warrior in a time of tribulation. Alrighty, we have been gone for way too long, and a lot has happened in the world and the day-to-day life of uh, politics and world events, and there's a lot of things going on. And so I want to try to narrow in the, the conversation a little bit. I mean, there's it's chaotic right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. People are kind of worried about what's going on right now. And uh, I think that people need something to like latch onto, something that they can actually look towards and kind of put their hope in. So I, I, on this episode, I kind of want to talk about how we're supposed to really behave in this time. Like it's really uncertain. There's a lot of people think that their, their values that they, they cherish really deeply are being attacked. They think that they are becoming the, uh, the minority of in society and not in like a racial sense in a, in a religious belief sense in an ideological sense. And I think that's really dangerous. And so what we're going to be talking about is basically what it means to be a, a Christian warrior that actually fights during this time of tribulation, but let's just start off the co- the conversation. Like, what do you make of everything that's going on right now in the world? Well, um, it's a uh, it's a little frightening, and ultimately, I think it's uh, and for lack of a better word, quite silly. Um, a lot of folks are well, they're they're realizing that their faith wasn't in something constant like God, and and that they were trusting in the institutions that that governed them or they were trusting in the social structures that supported them. And when those things are falling away, um, they feel scared and frightened oftentimes because like you said, they feel like they're grasping at straws Mm. and with things changing so rapidly, you know, a lot, uh, a lot more with the older folks too, who have kind of set into a, a more of a pattern of life. They feel like, their way of life almost is is under siege um, because things are changing very rapidly and and part of it is technology and part of it's culture and and part of it is just the political climate of the world right now um, and, and it has a ripple effect into every category of our life and so no matter who you are where you are and what you do you're feeling this this change in in the atmosphere and I think it's a little foreboding to a lot of folks and a lot of folks are at this this point of unease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And I, I I think over the last year we've we've seen we've been through a lot. Like this has been a crazy year. You know, we started off with uh, one of the first uh, presidential uh, impeachments of our president, and now we're at the end of uh, 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 beginning of a new year with a, a second impeachment. We've seen COVID ravage the world, and lockdowns have ruined people's ways of life. Their businesses have been shut down for so long. Uh, people feel like they can't speak up on certain ideas without being called homophobic, racist, whatever it may be. Um, and that makes it really hard for people. And with the lockdowns and, and that, and, and the, how people are feeling like they're being censored on, on social media and how they, they think that they don't really have a voice anymore. I think that's really one of the many reasons that actually led to like the, the DC riots that happened, which was just a disgusting display of, of humanity, if you even wanted to call it that. And I, and I don't want to make any excuses for it, but I do have to think that maybe some of that turmoil that built up to that horrific event was due to how much 
like depression and, and anxiety and, and stress. And so I feel like they just didn't have like an outlet for it. They didn't know what to do with all of that. Yeah. They acted like a cornered animal. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. So, um, so how is, how are we as Christians supposed to act in a time where we, maybe we feel attacked. Maybe we feel like our values are being attacked. Maybe things that we cherish, our freedoms, our, our liberties, they're under attack and we're, we're getting scared. So how do we fight back? Cause obviously we agree as, as Christians that what happened at the Capitol in DC is, inexcusable four people died police officers were beaten to death it was a disgusting display of the worst of humanity yeah but i think i think that uh the best of humanity is is the side of humanity that says that's that's not how we're going to behave like that's not it so how what is it like what's the alternative to that well you have to drive some sort of cultural change through your own examples and i'd say that the best way of going about that is living in a christ-like manner but ultimately i want to take a step back and acknowledge that, you know, as a Christian, you're part of the body of Christ, but you're also an individual in a society that oftentimes doesn't carry Christian ideology. Mm. There's a lot of Christians out there who are lukewarm and are oftentimes dead in the spirit. And therefore, um, you know, they're, they're non-functioning cells of the body of Christ. And so oftentimes you are an individual verse versus an entire cultural um, power. And so it's very important that if you're going to stand against something with so much weight, that you have a proper foundation. And so you want to set yourself upon the rock of God, mm-hmm. you know, and set yourself on top of the rock of Jesus Christ and make sure that you're firm with Christ before you do anything. Um, that way, if if the rug is pulled out from underneath you and something big changes, you don't feel lost or cornered and you don't need to lash out because you still have God to fall back on and that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, furthermore, you have to make sure that you're acting in a truthful manner in all ways because if you spread any untruth, even if your intentions are good, you basically remove and revoke your ability to evangelize to the people around you and create cultural change because they recognize you as something evil mm-hmm. and part of the problem if you're if you're spreading untruth. Yep. So you have to tell the truth in all things, even if the truth is something that people don't want to hear. You have to you have to be true to yourself and your conscience, and you, you can't. And Jordan Peterson says this often, but you can't say things that make you feel weak, morally weak, okay? When you go against your conscious and you feel that twinge as you push past your conscious, that's that's your stopping point. That's when you should stop and evaluate everything. But if you ignore your conscious and you're lying and you're spreading untruth and to quote a cliche, you know, fake news, then you're part of the problem and you're not driving cultural change you're driving the cultural degradation that we see right now today. Um, additionally, yeah. uh, you got to pick up your faith. You know, you got to pick up the shield of your faith and you have to trust in God. And you have to use that trust in God to protect you from your worries and fears. You know, you have a great mind with a negativity bias that is going to lead you to think so oftentimes of all of the things that can go wrong. But you have to remind yourself that you have a good and gracious God who's going to take care of you. You know, if he's going to take care of, of the world and all the creatures within the world, then he's also going to take care of you. And imagine just how, how much more care you're going to receive than the creatures of the world. Okay, and so you have your faith as your shield, and you have to take on the breastplate of, uh, of God's love and, uh, and of faith as well. And armor yourself up with, with faith in good teaching and scripture. And, you know, Christians, we're not called to violence, but we're called to cultural change mm-hmm. and to be cultural warriors 
for good and for peace and for justice. And the best way to do that is to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and to proclaim the gospel, not just through speech, because you can sit on the corner, you can talk about the gospel all you want, and you could change lives that way. You sure can. So don't let me detract from that because that could still be a virtuous calling. You're supposed to act it out as well. You know, it could be very subliminal as well. You know, you want to you wanna act as Christ acted so that people will see you and notice that there's something different. And that, that moment where they notice that there's something different about you, that's what cuts deep into their heart of stone yep. and gives you a breach point to actually open them up and um, and help them heal. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I think one of the things that people kind of misunderstand uh, about the Christian kind of perspective and uh, attack strategy, if you will, on these sorts of issues is is twofold. It's they one, they say, oh, it's ineffective. Uh, or two, they say, oh, that's just the, the cowardice uh, way to handle it. For one, I, I think it's actually way more effective because as we saw at the DC riots, that was completely ineffective it actually probably anyone i don't know what they were trying to get at at the dc like some they all had different purposes i'm sure but whatever they were trying to accomplish they definitely didn't and they probably detracted from whatever goal they were seeking oh yeah so the violent answer isn't effective at all and if you're actually so personal with somebody i mean even the most evil person has some sort of like conscience and it's like that makes it hard to attack someone who's just like so willing to just open up to that person that's so willing to love that person. So I think the Christian, uh, the Christian strategy is not only more effective, I think it's actually, uh, braver. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's a cowardice way at all. I think what we saw at the Capitol was cowardice. Mm -hmm. Maybe people kind of associate violence with like aggression and like, Oh, those brave men, women or whatever. But I think that's kind of a bunch of BS. I, I think that, um, when you're scared, you lash out. When yep. you're cornered against the wall, you lashed out. Uh, but I think the 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 old cliche saying of turn the other cheek is actually the bravest thing you can do. Yeah. And people misunderstand uh, turning the other cheek and rolling over because they're different. Mm-hmm. Turning the other cheek, you have to stand in your spot. You have to stand and you're you're not only just getting hit. You have to allow yourself to yeah. get hit again and again, but you're not backing down. You stand on the rock of God, like you mentioned. You stand on your principles. You armor yourself with with Scripture and the grace of God and all these different things that are really, really important. But you're not just going to roll over. Rolling over is different. Rolling over is I'm done. I'm, I'm backing away from my stance. I'm I'm turning away from what I once held dear, and that's that's cowardice. And, and so is lashing out. Yep. What's what's what takes bravery is the Christian message of standing on your foundation, holding on to what's important, and actually standing for what's right. But we, we kind of glanced over, like we're, we're talking about like how to fight, how to prep ourselves for the tribulation we're facing, but we never even really talked about what we're fighting for. Because I think, especially among the younger generation, I think the education system has really let us down and not actually shown us what a unique place in history we're in. And so I think we should talk a little bit about that. Like me and you are, are not no historians, but we have a, a basic understanding of the uniqueness of the time we're in. So why don't we talk about a little bit is how we got here and like why it's worth fighting for. So my question to you is throughout history, why is this so unique? What makes this so unique about the time we're in right now? Okay. Well, we're at what you would call a golden age, at least in our empire. And that I'm referring to the United States. And the United States is most definitely an empire because it has reach that expands beyond its borders. Um, and we're at a golden age also in, in the scope of humanity as a whole, 
you know, things are as good as they've ever been. Our quality of life is the highest it's ever been, at least in first world countries. We have access to a lot of neat toys and, and tools that make our life a lot easier. Um, and, and we're connected and we can all, we can all communicate relatively peacefully. Um, and, and we're protected under rights of our constitution, which is something that is extremely unique, even though the American institution in comparison to us, you know, we're, we're rather young. Um, is is kind of ancient, but in comparison to human history, the American institution and the Constitution, and all of the rights and privileges that are guaranteed to us under the Constitution, that is a new idea. That is basically an experiment that's being carried out currently, and I would say has resulted favorably for the entire world as a whole because that freedom that we were given is something that's very new, and that's something a lot of people come to America seeking after, mm-hmm. and that freedom. You know, it's allowed a lot of us to grow fat and um, take it take it for for granted. But that freedom is something that um, you know previous societies didn't have. They they typically were ruled under some form of tyranny. And you can argue that you know the current president Trump and and even Biden would be a tyrant. And you know, luckily because of the checks and balances of the institutions that are in place, tyranny is is very hard to. Um, it's very hard for tyranny to take root in the institution that exists, and that's something that we shouldn't take for granted. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can we can fall asleep also at the same mm-hmm. time. Now, I don't want to go too far from from the actual question itself, but um, this time period is, is the best it's ever been, and it could get better, and it could get worse. I think we're at a turning point, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that is extremely important to point out. Either... We take up our cross and we bear the responsibility of acting as a Christian in the world and facing the difficulties and tribulations and trials that are going to be thrown our way and acting in a virtuous and righteous manner in accordance with God's commands through Scripture and through you know the, the example that Christ laid out for us so that we can build a society that's healthier and more stable and something that we would want our kids and grandchildren to inherit. Or we can... We can throw away all responsibility and we can take everything for granted and we can kind of ride the wave of everybody else's labor and our forefathers' labors. And we can let this institution that we have right now degrade. Mm-hmm. And, and our own moral state can also degrade with it and we'll tear each other apart as a result because rather than taking responsibility, which is you know the lack of respons- responsibility, which is what would lead to destruction in the first place, would also lead us to point the finger at everybody else and say it's your fault and so then we'd be tearing our brothers and sisters apart and, and it would resort into what you kind of see on social media right now but on a much larger scale uh, i would say even <laughs> in real life you know in person to person interaction you would see the resurgence of tribalism mm. and you would see people clinging to these ideologies almost like idols mm. you know and drawing lines in the sand based on these ideological principles um and, and that would be a very far step from Christianity. Yeah. And one thing I really want to point out right now is, you know, you don't win battles by holding a building anymore. You don't win battles by, you know, having more weapons or by killing more of the other side or, or by beating somebody into submission. You win battles by winning over the hearts and minds of your brothers and sisters. Mm. Battles are won before they even take place. It's something called fifth generational warfare. Therefore, you know, Christ gave us, you know, 
the modern day Sung Su Art of War playbook <laughs> in the New Testament. You know, if you can if you can win over the hearts and minds of individuals and create peace with them and an understanding before the battle has even taken place, mm-hmm. and you can avoid conflict and you can grow in brotherhood and sisterhood with people who were previously your enemies, mm-hmm. then you are the ultimate conqueror. Yep. Because you're winning over the hearts and minds of, of men that would otherwise be pitted against you. There's no competition for resources like there would be otherwise. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because the, the one of the biggest things that makes us so unique is that we've been able to establish this this religious tolerance that we have. Like, yes. That we've all been able to, as, as Christians, and don't get it mixed up, this was a, a nation that was based on uh, Judeo-Christian ideals. Mm-hmm. And one of those ideals was that you know what? We're gonna have we we're all Christians. And we think that or uh, um, that we think that Jesus is the way, but the way in, in order you're actually going to come to Jesus isn't going to be by some tyrannical force. It's not going to be like us oppressing you. It's going to be actually from expressing the best ideas, having the best conversations, using the best evidence and logic to actually come to that conclusion. And so, one of the things that I think is really dangerous about our climate right now is that. I think people are kind of stepping off of that foundation that those Judeo-Christian ideas of tolerance and, and, and working with on the foundation of God and standing on him as the rock and actually trying to step into politics or stepping into social media or stepping into some uh, on other, some other foundation. And it's a lot more shaky because if I'm standing on God, I'm not going to be moved by anything. Much. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm standing on like my political party, then whatever that goes, I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. That's really, really dangerous, especially if if your political party has no foundation at all either. It's just going to go off the off the rails. I think that's one of the things we're seeing right now is that the especially on the political left, and it's starting to happen on the political right of this mm-hmm. country, is that there's no like basic foundation because America used to be at least how I at least idealize it. Maybe it's never been this way, but how I, I would idealize it to be is that me and a friend of mine who is, who is disagrees with me on everything politically, but we still have the same basic foundations that we're going to tolerate that, that me and him aren't going to just, dis- we're going to disagree on taxation. We're going to disagree on, on foreign policy. We're going to disagree on these things, but we can at least agree that, the violence we saw in D.C., that was disgusting. We can at least agree that we think that me and, and a Jew and a, and a Muslim and a Latin an atheist. and an atheist, they can all do what they want with their religions. As they can as, all work together peacefully. Exactly. They can work. They can be coworkers. They can mm-hmm. they can go and watch a basketball game together. They can enjoy that, that sport, that entertainment. And they don't have to all conform to the same lifestyle. They can they can have their their, their religion, their foundations, and also go elsewhere. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we're losing right now is that, that that sense of tolerance, that sense of like, let the best idea win, or it's more of a, let me shove my idea down your throat. And that's, yeah. that's really scary for me to see. And so um, I want to kind of shift the conversation more towards, towards Christ again, because I, I think that's, that's why Christ, right? Yeah. And so we've talked about the uniqueness of America. And why it's so important to fight for it. Mm-hmm. We talked about some of the practical things we can do to fight against it and why that's not only the more moral option, but the more effective one. But then that brings us to the question. So why, why, why is Jesus the answer to that? Why can't you find that strategy somewhere else? Why is Jesus the, the person we look to for that fight? Cause I mean, Jesus wasn't a fighter in, in, in our typical sense of the word. He was he was uh, a carpenter who traveled the traveled the the Middle Eastern area and he did his work there, but he wasn't certainly a uh, combatant of any kind. But 
don't he was a he was a fighter and we learn all these strategies from him so why do we why do we look to Jesus for that well i have to say jesus was probably the first and the most prominent cultural warrior um Maybe not the first, um, because there are some ancient religions that have figures that are kind of similar to Christ, mm-hmm. um, and they have some similar teachings. I think uh, Confucianism is an example of that. But back to Christ, um, I'd say that Christ is probably the most impactful cultural warrior there is. And if you look at the Old Testament you know, and the New Testament, there is, in the Old Testament, the end of tribalism, right? You have the Israelites in conquest for resources against their enemies in a very tribal landscape. Mm. And then you have Jesus Christ who emerges right at the peak of the Roman Empire, the emergence of an organized government and the largest society ever recorded at that time. And at that point, you you can't act in a tribal manner. It would just destroy the establishment. Mm. But what Jesus Christ did is he acted in a peaceful manner and changed it from within in a long-lasting manner. Because any sort of message spouted and stemmed in hate kind of burns a lot like phosphorus or magnesium. It burns real bright, real hot, and really quickly. But any sort of message that's spread in the name of peace and, and tranquility and um, obedience to a higher power and a higher mora- moral like standing... That burns a lot longer, kind of like um, like coal, for example, and and that will resound within the hearts of men, generation after generation, because they'll look at how the natural impulse is to take up arms against someone they disagree with, mm-hmm. and they'll see instead that somebody forgave and died for their enemy out of love, and it'll puzzle them to the point of contemplation and introspection. And they'll realize that that is a higher form of being and that is a higher form of warfare. Mm. Because Jesus Christ may have lost the first battle on the cross, but because he was willing to sacrifice for the good of God, for the good of country, and for the good of all of mankind, he won the war. Mm. You know, and, and so we're, we're still fighting in a similar manner. And so... You might lose a couple battles when you turn the cheek and you get slapped in the face or when somebody takes advantage of you. But when you turn the hearts of men away from themselves and towards God or towards their fellow man, then you win a war within them. Amen. I think uh, I think the only thing I would add on to because I think you're exactly right, is that not only everything you just said, but also I think Jesus was an uncompromising moral figure. Yes. He was, he was, he had his, he had his morals and he lived and died and rose again by them. Yes. <laughs> he, he stuck to them and he, and he was not willing to uh, compromise in any sense of the word. And I think that's something that that's the biggest thing we can, we can take to is that if you actually have a good moral and I don't just mean like, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to be compromising with my wife or my, my friends or anything like that in a relationship sense. That's not what I mean. I mean, compromising on your morals. Yeah. Like on your, you find your foundations. You find the foundations found in scripture that God revealed to us that you can find in your conscience and you go, no, I'm not compromising those. I'm going to stick by those. And so that's the one, that's the probably the last thing I want to leave off on is this idea that in this time of tribulation, it is really easy to do two things. It's really easy to just roll over and give up because it's easier to, at least in the short term, it's much easier just to let, let the guy fight himself out and you just kind of tuck and tuck and hide, tuck, roll and hide. Or 
it's really easy to lash back out with the same tactics they're using against you. So I'm going to urge every listener to this to try a different strategy, to try the strategy that Jesus tried, the, try the eternal, eternally good strategy, which is have uncompromising beliefs and values. Don't lash back out at other people who don't have your values. You demonstrate your values. You you hold them dear and you do not compromise. You don't let yourself be a hypocrite and have double standards for other people that you have for yourself. You demonstrate the best of humanity and you demonstrate that both verbally and your actions and your day-to-day life, all of it. And that's how you win the long-term war. It's yeah. much harder that way. It is, but it's much more effective. It's morally good and it's, it's just better all the way around. So uh, one more thing, and then we'll, we'll end here. I have one thing to say too. Yeah. I was going to say one more thing you want to add to the the conversation. Why Christ one tip for people to be able to fight during this time. Alrighty. Well, we talked about having a foundation in Christ and a foundation in God. And one very important aspect is the motivation for all of this, the motivation for Mm -hmm. cultural change. It's not necessarily Um, to prove that you're right in a peaceful manner. Because if you're trying to prove that you're right or you're trying to prove your point or you're trying to meet some sort of agenda, then it's all in vain. You have to do everything in love for your fellow man and for God. Because if you don't do it in love, then you really have nothing. And also, you know, Christ was willing to stand up to anybody and he was refusing to compromise to anybody regardless of the social dynamic between them. That means, you know, if it comes down to it, and you have to stand up for what you believe in and what's right, you have to be prepared to defend your point against somebody like the president, for example, or somebody like the pope, somebody with an enormous amount of social power above you. You have to ground yourself in these these Christ-like um, ideological principles to the point at which you'd be ready to defend them against the highest social power that is there, even to the point of death. Because... You know, God forbid it comes to that, and God forbid that he submits you to the final test. But in the event that he does, and you do so in perfect love, then you inherit salvation and a reward in heaven that'll be well worth it. Mm. And you just have to be prepared to do what's right, even if it means the worst. Amen. I think that's a really good place to leave off. So I'll leave you guys with that and with one last word of advice. Don't be discouraged. Yep. Stay strong. Stay strong. The fight is worth having. It's a fight worthy. If we fight it correctly and we fight for the right reasons, we'll always win. And Christ fell a couple times when he was carrying his cross. Amen. But he always got back up. Amen. Until next time, uh, my name is Lee Erickson. And my name is Wyatt Winfield. And this is Wyatt Christ. God bless you guys. 